right. Hate to break up a good thing, but if we can get uh, to the word here, it'll be a blessing. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 16 still tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I appreciate your faithfulness and coming to church on a Wednesday night. It's a blessing to see uh, God's people be faithful and uh, also always be praying for our teachers and the ones who are working with the kids in the back. And uh, it's, I've been uh, seeing some good faithfulness over there too. We're talking about David, and uh, I know that the series is about Saul, but David is such an integral part of Saul's uh, downfall. Not that David caused it, but he's just uh, he, he intertwined their lives. And so uh, the beginning of the fulfillment of Saul's kingdom being taken away from him uh, is here in 1 Samuel 16 when God told Samuel to go and anoint the next king out of Jesse's family. Jesse's sons did not tell him at the beginning who it was. And of course, last week we went throughout the why, uh, talked about the reason as, as Samuel learned. And tonight we're going to continue that uh, because it is important. The reason that God didn't just give him all of it in the beginning is Samuel learned some things in the process. And I hope that we also are doing that. Uh, we talked about uh, 10 aspects of choosing. We um, went through five of them last week, and we'll do the other five this week. Um, but the I'll just review a little bit. We talked about the precept for the choosing. The Lord told Samuel there in verse 1, chapter 16, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And so... If Samuel obeys the command, then Samuel will learn God's choice. Uh, the, the illumination followed after the obedience. It's a good lesson for us in our life. Uh, we like the answers, don't we? We like to, we like to, we would like to treat our life like GPS where you hit the bottom there and it tells you all the steps till the end. Uh, but sometimes we just get the next step. And we have to be good with that and obedient in that, and then we'll get the illumination we want. So obey God's commands and understanding will come. We saw that in the precept. Secondly, the protest. He asked in verse 2, we're just reviewing here a little bit. He said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. First of all, that tells us how low Saul has sunk. He killed a prophet of Israel, but he's probably right. Uh, he would have seen it as treason. And so Samuel wasn't thrilled with his assignment. God gave him a command, and Samuel countered with an excuse. How dare he? he we would never do such a thing, would we? Uh, offer an excuse if God tells us to do something. Um, when, you know, how often do we come up with excuses on Sunday morning, right? When it goes time, comes time to go to church, or, uh, or, or Monday morning when it time, comes time to go to work, or do what we're supposed to do, we come up with excuses. And number three, we saw the protection for the choosing. Verse two, the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and, I, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. God did not mock Samuel's fear. It was a real fear. I think that's very important for us to see. He did not put Samuel down for his protest. He rather uh, provided protection for him. And I think that's instructive for us because we, you know, although it was an excuse, it was legitimate. There was a fear there. And so, uh, God doesn't mind outfitting us for the call, amen? Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't mind if we, you remember Gideon? Gideon practiced some faithlessness. You know, Lord, if you really are calling me, 
I want you to make this fleece wet and the ground dry. Okay, me speaking to you is not enough. I'll do it. And he did it. And then, um, now make the dry, ground wet and the fleece dry. You know, he, 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 was, he practiced some faithful, faithlessness, but he did have a desire to believe and God met them. I think those are really neat examples in the Bible. So he gave the protection. We saw the precept, the protest, the protection, then the purification. Samuel ordered the people at Bethlehem to sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. This is in verse 5. Uh, he told them to clean up for worship. All right, And this is still a good principle for us today. We ought to come to the house of God clean in heart and spirit. And then we started looking at the principles in the choosing, and tonight we pick up the uh, sixth one, the problems in the choosing. Uh, let's start reading here in verse, uh, let's see, verse 8. No, verse 7. No, verse 6. Okay, that's, I promise. I promise that's where we'll stop. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That is the principles we talked about last week. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord had not chosen these. There's sincere confusion here. Samuel said to Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent, and he brought him. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight as we finish this series, uh, or this uh, message here, uh, talking about how you choose, and the different things we can learn from it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there were some problems in the choosing, and can I just say, this is not news to anybody here, but making right choices is not always easy, is it? Making wrong choices are usually, is usually a lot easier than making right choices. Uh, Samuel experienced this when he ran into three problems in choosing David. First, there is an opportunity for compromise in, in uh, uh, Samuel's effort to find the right one for the king, he encountered an opportunity to compromise. Jesse had seven sons that Samuel looked over before he saw David. When the oldest, Eliab, was refused, we just read about that. Then the next came Abinadab, and then Shammah came, and, and they each one, and each one, God said no. didn't matter how they looked, because we're not looking on the outside, we're looking at the heart. So when he finished, there seemed to be no more sons. If Samuel had been like so many of us, he would have compromised and just chosen one of the seven because that's all. God said, pick one of his sons. Uh, here were all his sons, as far as he knew. So obviously, I'm not hearing something right, and he could have compromised and chosen from one of them. But Samuel did not do that. He asked Jesse, are here all thy children? In verse number 11, this question uncovered another son of Jesse's, David. My, uh, it gives you a little bit of a window into the dynamic of this family. The youngest is not always respected that highly, is he? 
uh, I'm the oldest, and he's not that respected all that time, much either sometimes, but uh, as much as he should be, amen? Those of us the older, but uh, the youngest, he was out in the field. They didn't even mention him. They didn't even invite him to the party. He was the one that God wanted Samuel to anoint. But compromising would have been easy, and can I say compromising is always easy because the devil's going to make sure that you have plenty of opportunity to compromise. Make sure that you make the right choice like Samuel did. It takes some work sometimes. I, I ran across this statement this week, and I, this is worth writing down. You'll never regret doing what's right. You'll often regret doing what's easy. You'll never regret doing what's right, but you'll often regret doing what's easy. Um, I think we could probably have a testimony time to take up the rest of the service now on, on mistakes we did that were easy. The easy thing is not always the best thing. We ought to go for the right. So not only did he see the opportunity to compromise, but he saw the opposition of Jesse. Look at Jesse's tone here. There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Now, Jesse is obviously not enthused about David being even brought into this party with Samuel. So he emphasizes three things. He says David's young. He's the youngest. He's busy. He keepeth the sheep. And he is lowly, the sheep. Keeping the sheep was considered a very lowly task, the lowest task that there was for the family. And so he throws that out there. He didn't just say he's out doing chores. He didn't say he's busy. Just he mentioned he's keeping the sheep, letting him know this is a lowly, this is my lowest son, basically. So as far as Jesse was concerned, this would exclude David from being chosen. He seems to imply with what he says, don't bother with David. He's not the one you're looking for. And this brings out a clear principle for us again that God chooses differently than we do. He chooses differently than we do. Don't be surprised if people around you try to discourage you from making the right choices. It's going to happen. In fact, it almost always happens. Uh, but this idea of God's choices and our choices, they're not the same. God's standards are not the same. I've mentioned this several times before, but I am now... Oh my goodness, almost, yeah, 20 years removed from Bible college, 25 years, 20, yeah, what, we'll leave it there, removed from Bible college. And uh, it is amazing to me, looking back at the, uh, the popular, the, the stars, the next D.L. Moody's, and we, had, we was preacher boys school, so it was mostly preacher boys and girls who were looking to marry preacher boys, that was pretty much what the college was, but we, so we had... We had the guys that, these were going to be guys that turned the world upside down. And I mean, they were, they were talented. They got all the preaching opportunities. Every week we'd have groups go out and minister to churches in the area. These, there was the same group. And they would go out and they were the, lack of a better term, the rock stars. I mean, they were the ones that went out. And now, 25 years has passed. It's a whole different ball game. The ones who were obscure were, are, are still doing something, you know, and, I can think of three names right now. The most popular, talented guys. One is divorced and not in church anymore. Uh, one is uh, pastors a church, but it's it's not a Baptist church. And uh, the other one has uh, completely disappeared. Uh, I've asked numerous of my friends and, and people that went to college, you know, whatever happened to this guy? I don't know. I haven't heard from him in years. And so uh, you just don't know who God's going to use is what I'm saying. You don't know who God's news. By the way, don't discount yourself. 
for that reason. You don't know how God chooses. And we tend to look at ourselves sometimes and think, God can't use me because of this, 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 this. Not so. Here was a dad. I mean, of all people that should have faith in you is your dad. And dad's like, no, no, no. You don't want David. He's not the right one for you. The opposition of Jesse. Then the third thing, the obscurity of David. He wasn't even present, as I mentioned. The other seven sons were present, but David was left in the fields. This says a lot about this family dynamic. They didn't think much of him. In fact, we find out later what they did think of him. Uh, no one seemed concerned about sending a servant out to take his place, to bring him in, because he asked to see all his sons and didn't even go out and call him. Uh, had Samuel pr not pressed the issue, David wouldn't have even been discovered, because they weren't bringing him up until Samuel went after it. And can I tell you that obscurity is not a hindrance to God's will? Just because you are not a big name, just because you don't have a bunch of talent, just because uh, not many people know you, does not mean God doesn't use you. David is about as far removed from the public eye as possible, and yet he is the next chosen king of Israel that God's got his hand on. That's amazing to me. We better be careful that we don't start to decide who's going to do great things for God or not. Let's invest everything we can. That's how we ought to treat our Sunday school kids, our children's church kids. Uh, you know, we, we invest everything we can and all of them. We better not stand back. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be in prison. Uh, he might be a preacher. You know, we do that sometimes as adult, adults. And we, we decide who's going to be uh, successful. Well, didn't work in this case. And uh, God knows where you are. You have your heart right, and he'll bring you front and center when the time is right. David's father almost seems to prefer that David would stay in obscurity. And David's brothers desire that even more. We find out in chapter 17 uh, just how bad they did dislike him. Remember when Eliab heard that David came to bring groceries to, uh, to them at the, on the battlefront, uh, and uh, David shows up to give him some food and some news from home? In chapter 17, verse 28, Eliab says, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? He said that for anybody else who was listening around him. He's just my little brother shepherd. He watches sheep. I'm a soldier. He watches sheep. By the way, this is after the uh, he's been anointed. So Eliab's still probably pretty bitter about it. Okay, He got anointed king. Who is he? He's a runt. I know the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David did see the battle from the front row. He was in the battle, and he killed Goliath. Okay, God used him in a great way. But Eliab preferred that he be stuck back in the fields watching the sheep. When God promotes you, don't be surprised when people oppose you. And when you try to do something for God or step out, just sell yourself out for God, uh, there's going to be opposition. And uh, that's a sad thing, but it is the case. Obscurity was an advantage for David. It's not always a negative. You know, the Bible says in seven, uh, Psalm 78, 70, he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds to leading Israel. That's a tremendous verse. To, to, from watching a bunch of sheep to leading a nation of God's people. God, does, God chooses different than we choose. All right, number seven, the performance in the choosing. Samuel, verse number four here, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake. Samuel performed well. He did what God said. It's always helpful to see how the men in the Bible and the women that we study in the Bible, uh, how they respond to the commands of God. And Samuel performed God's 
commands faithfully. He did what God told him to do. You cannot perform better than that. By the way, this you couldn't have a much better, is it called an epitaph on a, on a uh, gravestone? You couldn't have much better of an epitaph than this. He did that which the Lord spake. Isn't that a nice thing to say about somebody? That's an awesome compliment. When it comes to God's commands, it doesn't matter if you're famous or if you make a fortune or not. What matters is if you're faithful in obeying what God tells you to do. Samuel's life was characterized by faithfulness to God's commands. Saul's life was characterized by selfish pursuits. God honored Samuel. God took Saul's kingdom away from him. Uh, we need to be careful. God looks for faithfulness in a person before he promotes you to a position. I think that's a good principle for all of us to honor. David was faithful and got promoted. Samuel was faithful and got praised. Saul was faithless and got replaced. And that's what happens in God's economy. Uh, we ought to be faithful. Faithfulness is vital if you're going to successfully carry out God's commands. Had Samuel not been faithful in obeying and doing exactly what God said, he could have easily picked the wrong person. And uh, again, we, we do the same thing. If we disobey God or we uh, do not obey something he tells us to do, we don't do what he says, this is when we make mistakes. This is when we create a lot of problems for ourselves. We can look back at all the major problems in our life and we can attribute it to doing something God said not to do, not doing something God told us to do, and we can attribute a lot of our troubles to that, can't we? I think all of us can do that. So just be faithful. Obedience is a great help to illumination. Samuel obeyed and God showed him who the next king would be. Number eight. The patience in the choosing. Look at verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Samuel's dedication in doing God's will, doing it right, we see in this verse. Now, again, I like to visualize this. So, this would be an awkward time, wouldn't it? All right, fine. Servant, go get David. And then, we're not going to sit until he gets here. So, they all have to stand around. Wait for David to be fetched. I don't know how far away he was. I doubt he was in the backyard. They'd go out and get him, and for a while they just stood there. And so, how's the weather been here? You know, this would be an awkward meeting, wouldn't it? All of you are refused. Go get the runt. They had to be fuming. There had to be an uncomfortable situation here. But it didn't deter Samuel from doing the right thing. And I think there's a patience in that because a lot of times we make bad decisions because. We don't like to be in awkward situations. We get impatient. And so rather than deal with a bad situation, we make the wrong decision rather than waiting to make the right decision. Am I talking to anybody else here? Because it hits home for me. Uh, we need to have patience. God sometimes delays our circumstances just to see how committed we are. Are you going to do the right thing or not? And this, this was one of them. People often take the first thing that comes along rather than wait patiently for God's best. And so they just take what's convenient. Again, you'll never regret doing what's right. You'll often regret doing what's easy. And so don't, don't take second best because you don't have the patience to wait for God's best. This happens in marriage sometimes. People settle for second best instead of waiting for God for the best. I mean, that's what happened to Katie. She had to settle for second best, right? Uh, but we, listen, we can afford... To wait for God's choice. Always. We can afford to wait. It's not pleasant, 
but we'll be glad we did at the end. But we can never afford not to wait. And so let's make sure that we have patience. Number nine, the proclaiming in the choosing. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. <laughs> there it is again. They're still all standing around, <sighs> growling. I don't know about you, but again, I'm an oldest sibling. I have uh, three brothers and one sister. And uh, if, if I had to stand aside and watch the runt of the family, you know, the one I did everything I am and how I look and my skills and my position and now... This kid, this had to be tough, but in the midst of his brethren. Once Samuel knew God's choice, he proclaimed it. He didn't hesitate. This was done, of course, by anointing David there in front of his family, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. You think this took courage? Absolutely, because it's an awkward situation. Again, uh, their brothers weren't happy. The dad's not happy. And uh, there are times that it takes some courage to make the right choices. It so it takes some patience to make the right choices, takes some courage. And uh, Samuel certainly needed courage to anoint David in the midst of his brethren. This, listen to what McLaren wrote. And I quote, uh, One can fancy the looks of his brothers as they bitterly watched the anointing with hearts full of envy, contempt, and rage. First Samuel 17, 28 shows what they felt to David. And it does. They were not happy. But Samuel did what God said. And if we can be faithful, like Samuel, to do what God says, to have the patience to wait for God's best, and then to do what he says, how he says, it'll help us. Number 10, the person for the choosing. So why was David so clearly the right choice? Uh, he, he was, it was obvious that God chose him. We see his approval. Look what the Bible says in verse 12 here. Now, uh, the last line, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. The most important thing that made David the right choice is that he was approved by God. The best seal of approval on anybody's life is approval by God. Amen? Better than any people, we want God's approval in our life. We're so eager for the world's approval. It doesn't matter like uh, the Bible's does. And then his attractiveness. Look at verse 12 again. They sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on. So not only his approval, but his attractiveness. Uh, David was not chosen on the basis of his looks, like that would have been Eliab, but he was, he was good looking, even though he wasn't chosen for his looks. It's not wrong to be attractive outwardly. It's not, uh, beauty is not a sin. Amen. Pastor Forsberg would be in trouble if that were the case. Uh, but the problem is, here's the problem, when we allow outward tr attractiveness to be the main guidance in our choices. I'm glad for attractiveness, amen? Uh, we, we, I don't mind beauty, I like things of beauty. Uh, we, uh, we, there's not, no problem at all, but the most important qualification is the heart. Character is much more important than outward appearance. But, Choosing on the basis of character doesn't mean you have to sacrifice beauty. I remember, I remember as a teenager, this is how dumb I was back then. I mean, I seriously stressed out about this as a teenager because I wrestled with selling out for God completely or what I'm going to do with my life. And I knew, I knew God wanted me to preach. That was much was clear. But I remember thinking about girls. We weren't really dating until college or anything, but, uh, I remember thinking about girls, and I used to think, this is how I used to think, I can either have a godly wife or I can have a pretty wife. 
That's my choices. And uh, that's sometimes how we think about it, doesn't it? If I do what God says, it's going to be misery. It's going to be awful. Uh, The point I'm trying to make here is that God's choices will not be disappointing. There's, there, David was, you know, it, it's almost if, if, as if this was added. You were going after Eliab, Eliab because he's handsome. I give you David whose heart is right and he's handsome. So, I mean, God's choices aren't going to be disappointing to us. That's a blessing. Put your focus, though, on the heart and let God worry about the beauty in the choice. Primarily be concerned about purity and let God take care of the pretty. (laughs) And I think that's going to always work out the best for us. You'll never come short in your life if you apply that principle. Matthew 6, 33, what does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things, what things? Pretty, that'll be added unto you. The good things, the things we're after. What was he talking about? Food, raiment, riches, wealth, housing, all that stuff was what he was talking about Matthew 6. Why don't you just focus on seeking what God wants in your life and all these other things will be added to you. I'll take care of these things. So it's a tremendous uh, promise in Scripture. So we saw his approval, we saw his attractiveness, and then his activity. He keepeth the sheep. Another aspect of David, he wasn't downstairs playing video games or watching TV. He was out busy working. He was industrious. He was trustworthy. He was disciplined. He was faithful. These are excellent qualities that would serve David well as he became king. Keeping him sheep would be good preparation for making a good king. As a shepherd, he kept his father's flock, and it gave him a sense of responsibility. Just like the children of Israel later, this flock was not his own. He was a steward of it. Later, he would become a king of God's people. Those people were not his own. He was a steward of it. This was excellent preparation for him. Uh, Luke 16, 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust is unjust also in much. Again, remind you, he took him also from the sheepfolds to lead the nation of Israel. And then finally, his ability. Look at what it says in verse 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. God's presence would be manifest many times in David's life. Very shortly, it would be manifested in slaying Goliath as a young man. Uh, It'll be seen in his efforts in fighting the Philistines. It'll be seen in his wise administration of a nation. Choosing on the basis of heart made Samuel make an excellent choice. He obeyed God. He had the patience to see it through. He had the character to do everything God said, how God said, and he and he came up with an excellent choice. And this is, this again, just a reminder, this is what is so interesting to me. The basis of his first rejection, he looks really good, actually was one of the aspects of his real choice that God wanted. He looked really good too. Uh, so we can get something that looks really good and it's not God's will and it'll be a disaster. Or you can get something that looks good and it is God's will and it'll be a blessing. Which one do we choose? Always go God's way. We can make excellent choices if we copy Samuel's steps. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Excellent choices, though, this is the warning, do not come by accident. Excellent choices don't just happen. They're purposeful. They have to be purposeful. We have to make those choices in our life. They come by listening to God's instructions, responding to them, and doing them. Obeying God 
uh, you know, it's again, the Christian life isn't rocket science. If it says don't do it, we don't do it. If it says do it, we do it. And that'll help us a lot right there in making wise choices. Thank you, Father, for this 